Well, welcome to LifePoint. My name is Rob Perry, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. It's great to be with you this morning as we worship God together. Well, I typically take uh, Friday and Saturday as days off. But Friday, I tend to spend some time in a repair shop a lot of times. I've got two cars. And one of them has over 225,000 miles. The other has 200,000 miles. So a lot of my Fridays are sitting in a repair shop. But here's the, here's the really cool thing. I've got a friend who treats me like family. And what that means is he says, you buy the part and we'll do the repair together. Really, really cool. But the truth is, I don't do the repair. <laughs> I end up, screwdriver? Yep. Give that to him. Wrench? Yep. Part? Yep. Uh, but I am a professional at uh, one thing, and I'm actually ASE certified in this method. I could work in any repair shop, um, which is a good thing. And, and it's this. It's called lumen placement. You're like, what is that? Well, let me tell you what it, uh, another name for it. I hold the light. <laughs> Lumen placement. I'm real good at this, I think. But then he reminds me many times, and I've got I've to say this in his northern accent, because I think I have the, right, the light in the right place, and then I will hear, hey, Rob, it's dark over here. Can you shine some light on the subject? It's too dark. Sure enough, I shine the light. Light always makes things better. It has this way of pushing away the darkness. And that's what we're going to look at today as we continue in our series called Glow. It's one we started a couple weeks ago, and we introduced this theme, a very simple theme that first week, and then we have carried it through each and every week here in the series, and we will conclude this series at the Christmas Eve and Christmas services. But the idea, again, is simple, and it's this. Light has always been God's solution to the darkness. Light is God's way of dealing with the darkness. And you see that throughout Scripture, light and dark. It's the, the contrast of living life with God or without God. And it's used over 200 times in the Bible. And one of the most significant uses is when John uses it in the Gospel of John, um, right there is a real significant use of it. John was a Christ follower, a good friend of Jesus, and he wrote about the Christmas story, but it's unlike all the other gospels accounts of the Christmas story. The way John writes it, you don't read about the delivery room. You don't read about the height and the weight of the baby. All you read about is this light. He describes Jesus as light. And our key scripture for this series, one that we're taking all the way through, comes from the Gospel of John. And I want to read it to you, but before we get kicked off there, I want, if you will, ushers come down with Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take this one and take it home. Uh, if you simply need to borrow it, just go ahead and take it, and you can drop it in the back on your way out. But in John chapter 1, starting in verse 4. This is kind of our anchor verse for the series. The Word, which is Jesus, gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. John is saying when Jesus was born, a, a light came into this dark world. 
And last week we looked at the, the sentence, Jesus is the light of the world. And he doesn't want to just be the light of the world. He wants to be the light of my life, the light of your life. And we talked last week about how does that happen? How do you actually do that? And we saw 27 people across our three locations take a very public step in saying, I believe in the message of Jesus. I trust him for the forgiveness of my sins, and I want to follow him. And last week, we saw those 27 people express that in a very public way through baptism. They were acknowledging, I have the light of Jesus. That's God's plan, was to bring light into the world. And every one of us has to make that decision whether to accept the light of Jesus or not. But from this verse, what we can tell, God's plan for taking that light to everyone is really, really straightforward. It's through us who believe in Jesus, us who have the light in us. God's plan is simply to say, you are going to take that light to the world. Write this down because this is what we're going to look at uh, today. I am God's way of dealing with darkness. What I want us to see today is that for those of us who have the light of Jesus in us, that we have believed and trusted in Christ, that through us, that that light would come through us and shine into the darkness of this world. A guy who did this really well was A.W. Milne. It's M-I-L-N-E. He was a 20th century missionary uh, to a group of people uh, who lived off some islands in the northwest coast of Scotland. And the missionaries that went there prior, they never came back. They died a martyr's death. And they were actually coined, the, uh, this group of missionaries was coined the one-way missionaries. And, and A.W. Milne knew that that was the case, yet he still went. He lived there for 35 years, and he never came back, but he experienced breakthroughs during this time. And when he died, here's what they wrote on his tombstone. When he came, there was no light. When he left, there was no darkness. What would it look like for you and I to get to the end of our lives and have that said about us? Where somebody would say, he or she left this world and now there is less darkness but more light. Better yet, what would it take to have one conversation, one interaction, one meeting with somebody where through that time, the light of Jesus shines through us and helps push the darkness of people's world away just a little bit more. What if the only way that some of the people that we know, whether it's a family member, a co-worker, a neighbor, what if it, the only way they're going to move from darkness into light is by you coming in and shining your light in such a way that they see a difference in you and they are drawn to the one who is the true source of that light and they want something better. What could possibly happen in that case? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 to kind of look at this a little bit more. 
The section of scripture we're in, most people know it's a sermon on the mount, the Beatitudes. This is a time where Jesus is on a hillside and he's teaching people about what the kingdom of heaven, what the kingdom of God is like. That is to those people that are he's calling to turn away from themselves and to turn toward God and follow him. What does it look like? And Jesus begins to speak here. Verse 14, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Now you're going, wait a minute, Rob. Last week, you just said that Jesus is the light of the world. Now you are telling me I am the light of the world. Which is it? Right? Well, the answer is both. Jesus is the light of the world, but for those of us who trust in him, we are carriers of that light. What Jesus is saying here was actually, the words that he's saying here were words that were spoken by the Old Testament prophet Isaiah about the Savior coming into the world, into a place filled with darkness, and he would be a great light And those in darkness would be drawn to that light. And then they would go and be light to everyone else. All nations is what we read. And so here we have Jesus right here saying the same thing, that you are the light of the world, those of you who have trusted in Christ. And then he goes on to say, like a city on a hilltop that cannot, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. I like to kind of picture the scene. We've got Jesus' words. We know what he said, but I like to try to think of the interactions. You can almost picture the hillside that he's on and picture him going, hey, everyone, you see that city over there on the lower on the hill? You, you see that? Remember when you, you came up? You couldn't miss it, could you? You definitely can't miss it at night either. These ancient cities, it was common for them to be built on a hillside for civil defense to be able to have the advantage to know what was a threat to them. Shepherds would tend their flocks that were on the hillside. You cannot miss a city that's on a hill during the day and especially right at night when the lights from the lamps and the candles are glowing. I grew up in southern New England in a place called Somerset, Massachusetts, and all of my relatives lived in uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts. My northern accent wants to say New Bedford. New Bedford, Massachusetts, 30, 30 minutes away. And we would go visit family. And often I would fall asleep on the way home. But I could tell, if I woke up, I could tell where we were based on what I saw outside. If I woke up and it was pitch black, I knew that I still had some time to sleep and I'd go back to sleep. When I picked up my head and I saw a glow because there was a city right next to us called Fall River. And that city would just light up with all of its lights at night. And if I saw the glow, then I knew that we were almost home because that city was just a glow. Jesus is saying, like a city that can't be hidden, that's what we are to be like as carriers of the light. It's not to be hidden. So that's what we're to be like. But look in verse 15. This is what we're not supposed to do. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In first service, I was just recalling, I'm so glad we have electricity. 
right? I, I was reminded this, I do not like candles at all. I'm always scared it's going to burn down the house. Woke up this past Wednesday morning, and there was still a candle burning on the table. And I was like, Ugh. but I don't like candles, and I'm glad I don't live at this time. But Jesus is saying, you wouldn't light that candle and cover it up. People of that day would put the lamp right in the middle where it would benefit the most people. You would not hide that light at all. If the electricity went out in here and I had a flashlight, then I would light up the way and many of you would say, he's got the light, I'm going to come towards him and I would guide you out of here. That's what people with the light are to do. We are to guide others out of the darkness and into the light. And so Jesus is saying, the light is great. It is required. But if you hide it, it does no good for others. It is ineffective. We are not to light, uh, to hide our light. We are to shine. Verse 16, he picks up, in the same way, we're going to shift gears here. We're not talking about lamps and candles and lights. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. He says, what I want you to do is shine your light. What I don't want you to do is to cover it up and hide yourself. What does Jesus believe about your faith and my faith? Yes, it is deeply personal but it is not to be hidden. It is not to be kept from others. It is something that we share. How? Well, right here he says, let your good deeds shine. So do stuff for people. Look around where you are. God has you in different places. Look around and love your neighbor, whoever it is. Could be a coworker, could be somebody in your own family, but do something. But also, you can be a light by looking at your own attitude, your own actions, your own reactions to things. That's how you can be a light. But he says, don't shine your light by going, hey, look what I did. Look at this good thing, this good deed. I did that. I tend to do that around the house. (laughs) Ask my wife, Kim. She does so many things, never even hear about it. I do one good thing. Hey, did you see that? <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was me. Jesus is saying, listen, here's what I want you to show people. Rob, lights illumine other things, not itself. What I want you to do is show other people me. That's what we are to do when we are loving others, the goal is not to get the attention on us and get the kudos. It feels great for that, but that's not the goal. It is so that others will see. It will be different. And all of a sudden, those that are experiencing time with you might start to ask questions because something's different. They might start to lean in toward God, and you have the opportunity to start to share your faith. And maybe they'll consider God once again, or maybe some for the first time. If you're a follower of Christ, when we live our life, it ought to look different to other people. Because 
We are a sign of God's presence in this dark world. We are to be a light for others, and often that isn't the case. Why? Well, some of us make it way too complicated. This idea of of doing and loving, we make it way too complicated, or we say, not my job, that's his job. Up on the stage, that's what he does. (laughs) Or sometimes we just are not sure what to do. So I want to talk about two things that we can do that will help us shine our light. The first is this, spend time in the light. How many of you have seen these things? If, if I turned off the lights, they would glow. These drive me crazy because I am one of those people that likes it very dark in the room when I'm sleeping. I have a printer in my room. I put a penny over the light. I have an alarm clock. I put a quarter over the lights there. So when I have to sleep in, in a room with these, they light up the room. But the secret to these things is they glow only because they spent time in the light. And then it gives off light. You see, it's only possible for you and for me to be the light of the world if we position ourselves to spend time in the light, spend time with Jesus. Because we cannot give what we don't have. We cannot operate from a place of being empty. We need to operate from a place where we have spent time in the light so that we can be a light to others. That will shine through to others. We put a lot of time and resources into helping making that happen here at LifePoint. Sunday is one of those ways. It is a big way. We come together. We spend time in the light because we are learning about Jesus. We are singing songs of praise to Jesus. We are remembering him through a time of communion. We're uh, practicing generosity. It's very easy to come on a Sunday and spend time in the light. But here's where it gets challenging, is Monday morning. How do we spend time Monday morning in the light, and Tuesday, and Wednesday? One of the things I want to tell you to do, and this is the same for me, preaching to the choir, meet with God. What do you mean? Well, we have meetings with people, and we... Go to meetings, we set up time for things that are valuable for us, right? Important and valuable. We will make time for those. Spending time in the light, spending time with Jesus is important. We have to schedule a time where we are going to meet regularly, daily with God. Pick a coffee store, pick your favorite chair at home, pick something that is very pleasant to, to you that you will want to be there, but schedule that time. And then take one of these, a Bible. Because this is the biggest way that God has revealed himself. He has spoken to us and we will grow closer to him as we read this and we live this out in our lives. So get a Bible. They are free. We give them out here every week. If you're a digital person, there's free Bibles out there. version. Get it on your phone, Android, iPhone, If you don't have a smartphone, go to their website. Free Bibles, all different translations with reading plans. And then, 
what you want to do, and there are many approaches to studying Scripture and, and trying to see how it applies to your life, but there's one approach um, that I've seen work really well with folks where they get in God's Word and then real simple to see how to live that out. And again, there are many approaches, so stick with what's working for you. But if you're looking for one, then go to lifepointchurch.com slash meetwithgod. lifepointchurch.com slash meetwithgod. And follow, grab a book of the Bible, go in uh, one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, pick the book of James, one of those. Go to that page, follow the four easy steps in that outline there. And that regular meeting will be impactful. Your meeting with God on a regular basis, it is like meeting with a friend. When you spend time with a friend, you walk away and you feel closer to them. You are more aware of what's going on. This time of meeting with God will make a difference. It, spending time in a light this way will make your light shine to others. So meet with God. The other thing I want to say is meet with others. Meet in community. It's another thing we put together is there's a lot of groups that are meeting in the area. Many of you are in groups. If you are not in a grow group, go to findmygroup.com, look for a grow group, and get around other believers. Why? What will happen? When I go and I go to these groups and I take my life what's going on at work, in my family. And you don't go there and immediately go to these places like you share your heart the first day. But as you get to know people, you will get to a spot where you're going to share those things that are going on in your life. And so will they. And when you do that, with seeking God's wisdom at the center of it all, you will be different and others will notice. Spend time in the light. And then out of that, the last thing I want to talk about is shine the light. You are a light to the world. And Jesus is saying, you get the light from me and you are to go and shine that to others. Guide them toward me. My responsibility as a Christ follower, is to shine that light in the way I live, the way I parent, the way I manage money, the way I do my work, the, the words that I say, the thoughts that I think, the way I share my faith with others. That's shining my light in the world, shining his light through me to the world. I want you to check out the screen to see what this might look like. Once upon a time, an old man crossed a bridge into a city that looked sad and dark even in the daylight. Can a city cry? Well, if a city could, then this one would. The Ferris wheel stood still and rusted. No one would dare to swim in the lake filled with trash and neglect. The gates of the city were broken when the flower man walked toward them, but he was glowing as if he knew a secret. Well, no one notices the flower man, despite his glowing and even his chuckling as he seems to challenge the despair the division, the danger, and the darkness all around him. The city is blind to him. They're looking down, looking down the way people do when they have given up. The flower man finds a rundown house in the center of town and says, this'll do just fine. 
Strangely, no one notices him as he literally glows with anticipation. The young girl is preoccupied with her boredom. The man sits in a bath but never feels clean. The painter stares at the blank canvas. The elderly woman carries too much. The thief is plotting and no one notices the flower man. No one except the little girl next door. The flower man sets to work, replacing brokenness with beauty. Two little girls are just in awe. A few adults who brave a glance are mostly cynical or even offended. Most of the folks from the sad city hurry by without even looking up. And then it happened. The moment the flower man knew would come, he knew it would change everything. Just as the thief was plotting to steal the beauty that the neighbors still didn't understand, the flower man gave it away. A gift so delicious that the little girl next door begged her mommy for one. The milkman was plain old shocked, but the artist was inspired. The flower man gets busy doing what he came to do, giving flowers away. The city seems to whisper and even shout, life is coming. The streets are aglow with it. Can it come to the fountain? The little boy asks. It is coming to my canvas, the artist declares. It has come to my window? The bathing man amuses. Despite the beauty all around, to some, life can be frightening. So the little girl next door says a quiet goodbye and has moved quickly away. But life makes the old woman smile and the old man scratches head. The mother prays, the beggar receives, and the thief weeps because life cannot be stolen. It can only be given away. The flower man has a cookout and the streets turn into a block party. Dancing, music, laughter, and games. Loneliness is swallowed up by joy. The canvases are beautiful. The stories of the ancients are told. Intimacy is in the window and the fountain is flowing again. Joy lights the night. Games and music fill the streets. Their hearts are pulsing with life. Their hands are filled to overflowing. They cannot see over it. They cannot see that the flower man has packed up his bag of seeds and journeyed on. The flower man leaves the city aglow with love, answered prayers, and hope. Why did he leave? He left because there is someone who needs a flower, someone who couldn't get to him, so he will go to them, and he will bring them life. I have had quite a few people in my life that did that for me. One of those early on was my wife when we were dating. There was something different about her. And I could see uh, that difference, and I was drawn to that. I could see that she loved somebody else. It wasn't me yet. I didn't know her, but there was somebody she loved. And I found out that that was Jesus as I spent time with her and got to understand who she was. She was one of those that helped guide me and helped me be drawn to the light of Christ. I have had others, God's put people in my life along the way that have done the very same thing, have guided me and helped grow my faith. He has used me to do that as well, whether it was family, neighbors, when I was IBM, we wrote software, but I saw that he was doing so many other things beyond that. He had me there for a reason. You need to be that person for somebody else. Last year we had, or, or this year, it's not last year yet, this year we have had over 108 people be baptized across the church. Others who have made decisions for Christ um, who will be baptized. But there was one conversation that I had with a gentleman that I will remember forever, and it's one line 
that he said that struck me. And he said this, I would have believed this, Jesus. I would have believed in Jesus earlier if somebody would have told me about him. He's my age. I would have believed if somebody would have just stopped and told me about him. We are the light of the world. We are carriers of light of the world. I am God's way of dealing with darkness. The people ought to be different and drawn to God because of time with you. One of the things I love is flying into airports at night. And I love flying into places where I know where people live. Like when you're flying into RDU for here, it's home now. Um, when I'm flying in, I look and I see all the lights and it reminds me of God's plan to bring the light of Christ to all nations. Because I look around and I see how God has strategically placed the church. And that is those who believe in Jesus and have trusted in him and are following him. You look at those lights and I see they're all over the place. There are people who are in the government, they're in the hospitals, they're in the sales force, they're on sports teams, they're in schools, they're in neighbors. God has every one of us where he wants us to be. Why? So that we can love others, do things for them, say things for them, share Christ as we have that opportunity and we've earned the right in their life that we make use of that. And you know what? Some may not come to know Christ while they know you, but you planted a seed and they're leaning in and someday they will have the opportunity to accept the light of Christ. And you were part of that because God used you to shine a little light to help guide people toward him. That's what we are to be. When we get to the end of our life, the end of our week, may it be said of us, that when he came, there was no light. But when he left, there was no darkness. Go be the light of Christ to the world. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for your son who makes all of this possible. And as we talked about last week, I just pray that uh, those that don't have a relationship with you, that they don't leave here um, or don't uh, ignore that that they would continue to step into that and know for sure by talking, whether it's to somebody down front here or as they're talking to a friend who is a light for you, that they would share what it means to be a follower of your son. And Father, for those that carry that light, that they have that relationship with Jesus, it is our prayer that we would go from here and not make this be the end it's only the beginning to go out and to spend time in the light with you, to spend time with you, and to go out and to shine the light for, for others to see. Give us the boldness uh, to just step into what might seem the unknown, but we know you go ahead of us. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.